that sets me. All right, Second Samuel. Free. Who's free? Anybody free in here? Second Samuel chapter six, beginning in verse six, reading through verse fifteen, continuing in a series called "Pursuing His Presence." Pursuing His Presence, and um, if you've got uh, paper and pen, I'd encourage you to take notes. And I'm reading from the NIV and preaching off of my iPhone. Thank you, Jesus. It's a first for me, but I told all cool guys do this, so I'm going to give it a shot. I I tried it this morning. seemed to work. You all there? Not that we're trying to be cool. We just love God. If it ends up being cool, so be it. If it doesn't look cool, I don't care. How many of you love Jesus? All right. Sometimes that looks a little strange. All right. Second Samuel there. Second Samuel 6, beginning of verse 6. Are you, are you there? Say amen. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah, or Uzziah, pardon me, because of his irreverent act. Therefore God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because of the Lord, because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzziah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzziah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? I want you to say that. How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of of David. Why? Because he didn't want to get killed. That's why. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom. And everything that he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of King David with rejoicing. Verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark of God had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. He did what? He danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire household of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts. With what? With shouts and the sound of the trumpets. Sound of trumpets. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto a feet of light upon our path. Lord, as I preach this final message on Mother's Day tonight, I pray that many would be touched and encouraged through your word in Jesus' name. You may be seated. We've been doing a series inspired by the Lord on the presence of God, pursuing His presence. I think I had a series once that I named Pursuing His Presence before. It's something that we do. I, we just love the presence of God. And we've preached a number of messages. Tonight's message is called Learning from the Ark. Learning from the Ark. Learning from the Ark of God. Now, the Ark, 
the Ark of the Covenant, that is, how many of you ever saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, so that was a, a picture. If you, if you want to know what the Ark looked like, it looked like that. If, if, you're, if you want to be studious, you can go and take the measurements out of the Old Testament and draw a diagram and it's accurate and figure it out exactly what it looked like. It was a box that was made of acacia wood covered in gold. It had these cherubim on top and between the wings of the cherubim dwelt what the Israelites to believe to be the very presence of God of the Shekinah glory of God. And in the, in the mind of an Israelite, it literally was God's presence there. It wasn't just a representative of God's presence, but this box designed by the great architect, Almighty God. Inside, the, inside this God box was the, the, the Ten Commandments written by the finger of the Lord. Actually, the second set, the first set got broken when Moses got all irritated at the sin that was going down at the bottom of the mountain. It contained that. It contained the, the rod of Aaron that budded. It contained some manna. Now, at this time in the history of the ark, it also contained golden emrons. And uh, you can go Google emron and figure out what that ancient word means. How many of you are going to go do that? I didn't think so. It's a hemorrhoid. Okay? It's a golden hemorrhoid. And it was put in there by the Philistines. In fact, I should probably give you a brief history of the ark. In 1 Samuel 4, the ark, uh, the ark is in Shiloh. It was at Gilgal, and then it went to Shiloh. And it was captured by the Philistines in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 1 Samuel chapter 5. And uh, they bring it into their temple, Dagon, which is their deity, a false god, an idol. They bring it into the temple of Dagon, and Dagon falls over twice and loses his head as the ark is in there. And they're, they're struck. They're terrified. In fact, 70 men at Beth Shemel are killed for looking into the ark. And the ark is taken to this guy. His name is Abinadab's house. Now, he's an Israelite, and it stayed there for 20 years. Now, it's interesting. You don't read about any blessing coming upon his house. It is Abinadab's son, Uzziah, who actually reached out in the text that we saw and was struck dead. In fact, it was stayed there at Abinadab's house the entire time that Saul is king, prior to David taking the throne. It's just fascinating to me that he would want to be king and not have the ark of God in the temple, or rather in the tabernacle. The temple's not built yet, the tabernacle of Moses. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, bring it, didn't, didn't bring it back. It stayed in the Benadab's house. So here in 2 Samuel 6, David sets out and says, I've got to have the ark. I've got to have the ark of God, the God box. I want God's presence. I want a Shekinah. I want it to come to my house. That is a great prayer to pray. That's why I had you repeat that. How can the ark of God come to my house? Say it. How can the ark of God come to my house? And so David sets out. I'm bringing it back to Jerusalem. And the first attempt, this guy Uzziah gets killed, and we're going to learn about that tonight, and then eventually he figures out exactly how the ark is supposed to be carried, it's on the shoulders of men, on the shoulders of the priests, and eventually he gets it back to Jerusalem, and opens what's called the Tabernacle of David, Now I should go on to say that prophetically, that's where we're at. 
I've said that to some of you that are here. We're, we're in the place where God is, brought up a, is bringing up a new generation of Tabernacle of David worshipers. While at the same time the Tabernacle of David was, was operating, so was Shiloh with the high priest. They just did it without the presence, without the box. Okay, we'll get there. Hold on now. Now the ark was the ark just the ark was lost uh, in an attempt to basically manipulate God rather than seek His will. The ark first the ark in this series of, of of history was lost to the Philistines because the Philistines were at war with the Israelites and the Israelites said, "Let's just take the God, God in with us and we'll win." Well, let me let me give you a modern day application. If you have a cross around your neck, now I've done this before and I've had so many people get irritated, but it is a great illustration. You have a cross around your neck, that in no wise blesses you apart from the blessing of God than a lucky rabbit foot. Okay, so just because you have a cross around your neck, and and I like them, I think they're pretty, I think it's, it's great, it's awesome, but you know, if you're trying to hold up a cross and keep a vampire from biting you, it's not going to work. Okay? It doesn't work. What works is relationship with Jesus. There's no power in some trinket any more than a lucky rabbit foot. Hello. You can hold on to your horseshoe, turn it upside down, turn it right side up so the luck doesn't dry. It's not going to work. All right? It's not going to work. And they took the God box into war like that, like a lucky charm. Like they took a rabbit foot. It's like might as well took in a rabbit foot. And they got whooped. Why? Because God's not manipulated... It's a form of religion lacking power. God is not manipulated by, by people. They didn't want to confront their sin. They didn't want to seek God. They didn't want to do any of that. They just wanted God to come in like a rabbit foot or like rubbing a lamp of a genie and get Him to show up so that they could win against the Philistines. And that is never how you'll win. God, God ain't on your time clock. He's on His. That's like when Joshua stood before the captain of the host and Joshua says to the captain of the host, Are you for us or against us? And the captain of the host in Joshua chapter 1 says, No. Maybe you didn't hear me. Are you for us or against us? So the logical answer would be, We're for you or we're against you. The guy says, No. And why would the captain of the host of the army of the Lord, it's a theophany, some say it was Jesus, why would the captain of the host, why would the Lord say to a question, are you for us or against us? You'd think God be for them, right? Wrong. God's not in your pocket. God ain't in my pocket. You better be in His. That's why He said, no, I'm neither for you nor against you. I'm on my own. I got my own game. You free, are you with me? Are you with me? You feeling me? Hello? So, so Josh was like, oh, uh, okay. Take your sandals off of the feet, the place where you are. It's holy ground. And he gives them a strategy and they take Jericho. In other words, you get with God, then you can take the Jericho. But you don't take God into your battles and expect Him to bless your mess. You can't take God in and expect Him to bless your idea. Hello. So they did that. And they lost the, they, they, they lost, they lost the ark. And that's how the, the, the Philistines got a hold of it. There's got to be a yearning from God's people to seek His ways. There has to be a hunger to deal with your sin. What sin? Pastor, are you in sin? Not that I'm aware of. And I say it that way because maybe there's something in my heart that I haven't seen. 
The Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. And one of the prayers we pray nearly every day, not every day, but nearly every day, Lord, if there's something on the inside of me that's grieving you, please show it to me so that I can repent quickly. It's an amazing picture of what's happening in the church. The church just expects God to show up. I'm going to tell you something. God ain't just going to show up. He doesn't just show up because we got pews in a nice building. He comes because people are hungry. He comes because there's repentance. He comes because He loves us, yes. But He's not just going to come and have, you know... He's not just coming because we call ourselves a church. And if you want an increase of His power in your life and you stay doing the same stupid stuff you've always done, i got news for you. You can expect an impact from the enemy, but it won't be from God. I am preaching better than you're amening. You can't just say, well, I'm a Christian. America, much of America says, yeah, I'm a Christian. Christian is as Christian does, and if you don't live Christ-like, you ought to change your name. Jack, that's good preaching too. Amen, Pastor. Are you guys all right? Do we need to serve mochas everywhere? Are you okay? Come on. Right? Just because just you say you're a Christian, Christian is as Christian does, and what you do in the dark is the level of faith that you're walking in God. And you're facing all kinds of battles. You just expect God to show up because you're handsome or pretty or something. That ain't the way it's going to work. He shows up based on repentance and seeking Him, walking with Him in truth, living for Him, worshiping Him, not just doing your own thing. He's not obligated to stand over your opinions and see it before. I am preaching to somebody. I am pushed. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting pushed. Might be somebody online. Quit your playing church garbage. Quit it. Come on, somebody say quit it. Look, if I'm not talking to you, then don't get offended. I'm going after a religious spirit for a second. Knock it off. You can't come into church and call yourself a Christian, go smoke dope, do whatever you want to do, listen to whatever you want to listen to, and call yourself a Christian. That's a bunch of bunk, and it's the reason that people are not filling the church because of hypocrisy. You can't expect God to show up and show off in your life when you're really the Lord of your life and He's not. Jesus. I hate that thing. I hate it. And you know why? Because God hates it. Religion is a stench. And this is even on my notes. Religion's a stench in the nostrils of God. It's a picture of glorifying the past. You know, bringing the ark of God into war. It's a picture of religion lacking power. It's a picture of glorifying the past and not living for God's presence now. God, when they would shout, when the shout of the king was with them, they would shout because literally God was there. And when the enemies of God heard that shout, they just ran, turned heel, confusion, got terrified, and God took, took over. And then the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle never belongs to the Lord until you actually are with Him. And He's, you know, if you're in His boat, then you don't need to worry about it sinking. If you're hoping He's in yours, bloop, bloop. Sink. Come on, smile at me. Gosh, I didn't even get to the meat of the message yet, but man, maybe that's what God's doing. Praise God. And dragging my thumb all over my, my all over my iPhone. I don't even know where I'm at now. Jesus, help me. You know, praise God for Azusa Street. Praise God for what God did in the Hebrides. You know, we, just because you got filled with the Holy Ghost in 1985... You, you didn't, praise the Lord. Did you get filled today is my question. 
Did you get touched today? You, get, you can't just put God in a box and put God and say, well, I had an experience with the Lord back in the 80s, back in 95, when the Lord came, touched me, set me free, set my feet to dance. I got, my feet got happy, and I started running around. And now you're just dead as a doornail. Can't, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and the truth is, if you've never had an encounter with God like that, then just be honest and get hungry. Don't, don't pretend you had one. Hello? We want to be a church that has the Spirit right now. Not, praise God for 95 when I got set on fire. What did He do today? Heck, Anchorage was great. Wasn't Anchorage great? Anchorage was great. It's great right now. I feel His presence now. What is the Lord doing in your life now? What's He doing now? Don't let the ark of stay at Abinadab's house for 20 years. Don't, don't just look at somebody on fire and wonder why whacked out they are. And be careful that you don't criticize somebody's worship and the way that they're living for God and all of that. I mean, I, was, I heard a testimony just today in Anchorage. The power of God rolled up in a church that this brother was at. And he said he saw all the, all the elders on the front row... They all slid back simultaneously and were on a 45-degree angle all on the front row, 45 degrees. You know what I'm talking about? If you slid down your seat and leaned back, you'd be on a 45-degree angle. That's the way they were. And so he was wondering, why are all the elders at a 45-degree angle? I mean, I mean, there's like, you know, 20 of them, all, all like this. And so he asked one of them, what were you feeling? And the guy said, fear. I was feeling fear. I said, oh, that's ridiculous. He went home that night. He was in his hotel room. Rather, not home, but a hotel room with another brother. And he began to laugh at what these elders were doing, a 45-degree angle fear. What are you afraid of? What's the, what are you afraid of in church? <laughs> you know, it's wonderful when there's an anointing. There's like an anointing now. This is not the glory. When the glory comes, when the power comes, it ain't cute. And you've got to be very careful. And is it, is it scary? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's scary. Like, fear, reverence. So he was making fun back at the hotel room. All of a sudden, God rolled up into that place. He found himself terrified in God's presence. Not terrified like God's going to hurt you, but understanding that God Almighty really is alive, and you better not mess and mock his stuff. And I will tell you that he will always remove the mocker and the scoffer before he really demonstrates his power. You'll see that in the life of Jesus. So here's this Uzziah reaches out to steady the ark. And he basically gets Perez Uzziah. It means it's, 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 the, it's the poured out place. It, it's literally that he, that he touched the ark and lightning came from the ark as the picture and split him and all of his insides were everywhere. He said, why would God do that? You're not supposed to touch the ark. And I think because it was in his house for 20 years, he had a familiarity with it. I'm going to tell you something. We don't let kids get on the platform. Why not? I don't let my kids run up on the platform. I don't let my kids just mess around with mics and just do whatever they want to up here. You say, is that sacred? Well, let me tell you what happens on this platform. It's just wooden carpet and some instruments. I'm aware of that. 
But what happens from this platform is the preaching of Almighty God's Word. And if you, if you diminish that and, you, and, you, and people lose the honor and respect and become familiar, I'm going to tell you, kids that are raised in revival churches, if they're not taught right, they lose respect. They lose the, the power of God. The move of the Spirit becomes familiar. Well, we've had people come in from other churches. They say, when I walk in here, I almost hit the deck. The power of God. But if you're raised in it, you guys, kids, you're raised in it. You just think that's just God. You just think, well, that's just normal. I mean, what's the big deal? And so you can end up, you know, chewing gum and sticking it on the bottom of the chair and, and you know, not really paying attention, not really thinking anything significant. I'm teaching my kids as best I can reverence. need to teach them reverence. What's happening here tonight is an extremely holy thing. Taking communion is not just a little cracker and a little glass of juice that you just get the snack on. It's the meal that heals or the meal that kills. And so this guy, Uzziah, didn't understand that he, because I believe he had a familiarity with it. He had the ark in his house for 20 years. He was the son of Abinadab. How are you doing with the things of God? Do you still have a reverence? We must make absolutely certain that we have a reverence for God. Altar calls. I'm going to tell you, when altar calls and people are getting saved and people walk out, I'm going to tell you, that probably irritates me more than most things. Right when somebody's going to give their heart to Jesus and a whole group of people get up and walk out, that is what I would call irreverence for what God's doing in the house. All right? Just don't do it. Get up and walk out earlier. You could walk out now. And I know sometimes people got stuff to do and, and you've got responsibilities. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But if it gets down to the altar call, the enemy so wants to distract people from getting saved. So when it, when it comes time that I'm, I'm closing, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. If it comes down and I'm closing and I'm leading, I'm about to get people saved, don't move. Pray. It's only another 30 seconds for the love of God. Hello, if the president was, was, was in the house, we'd all be just like, it's Barack Obama. Right? Well, one more than, than important than the president is, and I'm not saying he's not important, he is. But the presence of God is more important than the president to me. We can't have, lose our, our irreverence. You don't teach your kids to reverence the presence of God. You're a fool. And you're making an Uzziah. You'll make an Uzziah out of it. Now, this is, I know the kids are here and they're hearing me. You know what's amazing to me? What's amazing is, you know, I mean, there's toys and good. We, that's fine. Playing by the pew and all of that. That's wonderful. That's fine. But what you don't realize is that they actually hear what's happening right now. Yeah, my kids, they're looking at me. Hi. You must instill reverence. You must teach it. Don't raise an Uzziah who's just familiar with him and doesn't really know him. Just familiar with God, but not intimate with him. Now David took the, the ark after he heard that it had blessed Obed-Edom's house. In fact, if you do a word study on Obed-Edom, Obed-Edom from this point, throughout that section of the Old Testament is volunteering for every single thing that has to do with the ark. 
Would anybody like to have a... Ooh! Ooh! Why is that? He understood that being near the ark of God, something happened in that boy's house. When he brought the ark back, can you imagine? He brought the ark back. David said, Obed-Edom, it's going to your house. What? Praise the Lord. His friend just got killed. His guts everywhere. It's coming to your house. Oh, look what the Lord has done. I'm going to tell you something. He had to be terrified. You're bringing the ark, to, you're bringing the box to my house. Your house. Coming to your house. Oh, thank you, King David. Inside he's going, ah, 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 my kids never listen to me. They're all going to be split up and in the living room. And then when he brought the ark in, can you imagine him bringing the ark into the house? Can you imagine? Kids, all you kids listen to me. I know you're not accustomed to listening, but you better listen to me. Listen to me. Okay, what, Dad? Okay, get up. Get your stuff. We're going for a walk. Okay, okay, Dad, what are we doing? Come with me. Come with me. Come here. Come on. Come here. You see that spot right there? That's Uncle Uzziah. Yes, he touched that box. It's coming to the house. He did. He did. He touched it and broke everywhere. And what did I to come to our house, Dad? I don't want. No, the box is coming because the king said it's coming. Now listen, listen to me. Don't touch the box. Everybody say it. Don't touch the box. Why? That's why. They brought the ark in, and it stayed there for three months. A box in the middle of this guy's living room stayed there for three months. And God so blessed his house. Let me tell you something. If you serve God and reverence Him and invite His presence into your home, into your heart, into churches, into your workplace, the power of God will come. And that is why I can confidently prophesy over the villages that if they will begin to seek God like that, the fish will come. It will not be some just regular week, a regular year of salmon fishing. There will be a deluge of salmon that come. Their nets will be filled and they will break and they will have to call for help. Why? Because of the presence of God. Anytime you see revival, if my people who are called by... I am encouraging myself. Called by my name and humble themselves fast and pray. I will hear from... And heal their, heal their land. God blessed the house of Obed-Edom because His Shekinah glory, His presence was there. Is the Shekinah in your home? Maybe you need to get rid of some of your videos. Maybe you need to get rid of some of the familiarity. Maybe you need to dust the Bible off. Take it off of the bookshelf. And open it with the reverence that it's due. Maybe you need to set aside some time for God and quit playing church. Quit just being a religious person trying to ask for the blessing of God without His presence. If His presence is not in your life, it is a miserable walk with God. I'll tell you now, I've done it, I'll never do it again. And I've made decisions in the flesh and felt a degree of His presence leave and realized I made a mistake right then. It can be like that. 
Now, not that I have attained it, but forgetting that which lies behind, I'm going to press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I know there's more. And as deep calls unto deep, you know, the power of God, the presence of God will mess you up. will mess you up, and I'll tell you why it will mess you up. Because He'll touch you, He'll overwhelm you, and then you'll realize where He wants you to be and how far you are from that. And then you say, oh God. And it won't be in a condemning way. The, the devil will come to condemn you. But you'll see, it's, it's almost like a torment. Oh! Oh, I want more of you. And then you hunger for him and you press in. The condemning, the enemy will get on you. You're not worthy. I am too. Why are you worthy? The blood. Somebody say the blood. Amen. When Jesus looks at me, he sees perfection. Why? His blood is over me. When God touches you and you get hungry for him and you draw closer to him, then his power begins to come. Are you getting anything tonight? Now, King David came rejoicing. Now, you've got to see the picture of this. Fire, and I'm not going to preach much longer, just a few more minutes. Fire only falls on sacrifice. Say it. Fire only falls on sacrifice. He said, well, Jesus died for me and that's sacrifice enough. No, you need to put to death your agenda. You need to put to death your carnal mind. You need to put to to death our worldly mindsets. We need to put to death our agenda. Say yes to His will. Yes to His way. Begin to go after Him. Come on, somebody. Say amen. When you begin to do that, then His power comes to the next level. I mean, you give Him your waiting moments. When you're waiting in line. I used to hate waiting in line. I like it now. You know, as long as I'm not in a rush. And I've found oftentimes when I'm in a rush, that's when I have accidents. That's when I get speeding tickets. <laughs> and now when, I, when I'm waiting in the post office, man, I just use that as an opportunity to hang out with Jesus. I love going to the Wasilla post office. It's a revival center to me. I pray. God speaks to me about who to call. I get on my iPhone. Call him. Oh, I, Pastor, I, I'm so I needed you to call me. I call him, pray for him. Twenty-five people in line listening. Yeah, and and I'm not just like, Lord, Lord, I pray God, I pray God you bless him, Lord. And then I'm not, I'm not doing that either. But I'm boldly praying with authority, and I'm gonna tell you something. People don't ever hardly hear that. And I can tell because they turn and they're like, they just hardly ever hear somebody pray with authority and with love and tell people. What are you saying? You get, I'm saying that you've got to carry God's presence. And it's, it's a, it's a, it can be a sacrifice. You, if you think about they, they sacrificed, what do they sacrifice? A bull and what? What's the text say? I, mean, I didn't study this whole thing out, but I mean every six steps they had a massive a massive uh, sacrifice to God. All right, where is it? Verse, here we go. Verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark, now the ark was, before it was carried out, a nice new cart. Great idea, a Philistine idea, however. The ark is only carried by the priests on their shoulders. Poles would be slid through the sides of the ark and it rested on their shoulders. The glory of God, the presence of God, is it could be carried by people. It's not about some building or some temple or some box. You and I are to carry His glory. It can be carried no other way. So they take six steps and He sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. Now, 
I've done some butchering in my time. Now, a bull. That's not like a miniature bull, because it would probably say miniature bull. We're talking bull. Bull. A bull. I don't know if you ever seen a bull. They're 1,400 pounds or something. They're huge. Okay, okay, okay. All right, get, get the picture. Everybody's carrying the ark. Hallelujah. David's all, look what the Lord has done. Two. Look what the Lord has done. Three. Look what the Lord has done. Four. Five. Six. Stop. Bring the bull. Bring the bull. Bring the bull. Great. Sacrifice. 1,400 pounds of beef. Right? Oh, but that wasn't it. They, they sacrificed, what is the other animal? One, not just a thin calf, a fatted one. Come on, everybody say fat calf. Great, and they have this big thing unto God, and they, they worship God. Okay, they clean it up. Great, that was great church, right? Hey, great, on the way to Jerusalem. Look what the Lord has done. One, look what the Lord, He healed my body. Two, three, four, five, six, stop. Bring it in. Do you, do you get the picture? Do you know what trail of blood led all the way from that place of Uzziah or Obed-Edom's house all the way to Jerusalem? We're talking a river. A massive river of blood that they all walked in. And danced in his PVDs. Linen ephod. You want the presence of God. It does not come just because you think it's cute. It comes with a... You know, some people are just not worthy... To, worth. I mean, not worth. But some people are just not able to crucify their flesh and go after God like that. When you get hungry and thirsty enough, you'll do it. When you, you see, ever, see anybody, ever see anybody thirsty to death? Dying of thirst? Have you ever seen that? I have. And it is one ugly, ugly thing. They don't care if you're in the way. They'll shove you out of the way. They will get whatever they need to get a drink of water. I've personally been there. You're ravenous and you see water. You're just going to go for it. That related to hunger, spiritual hunger. You hunger for God like that. He will come with fire. also a picture of repentance of sin. It's a picture of giving my best every six step. And every, every, every six steps on the seventh, they would sacrifice repentance, giving, generosity. You know, you could go look up how much a bull was back then. We're not talking, we're not talking tipping God. We're talking 1,600 pounds on the hoof, bull, fatted calf. Every six. You say, well, he's the king. It still costs. And it was a lot of work. They did that all the way to Jerusalem. And I didn't do the math on how far it is to Obed-Edom's house. Have you done the math on that? Anybody? But we're not talking 50 yards. A river of blood. You know, I've had people get angry with me because I take an offering. Give me a break. I've had people get angry with me because I go after sin. You want to hear a smooth message? I'll tell you now, wrong church. 
that it might be somewhere. I don't know where it is. I don't know. We want to be seeker-friendly, sort of. I mean, we want you to be comfortable. Most of all, we want God to be comfortable. You say, well, don't people get freaked out? Yeah, they do. I got freaked out when I first walked in here. Years ago, when I first walked in our our church at Connie Street, I I thought, oh, and this is the church of the lunatic. Let me tell you what I walked into. A sea of people. I'm not talking just a couple hundred. It was easy, 500 Maybe 800 people. I'd say about 800 people, Connie Street, totally packed. I walked in the back door, and all I heard was like, it was the sound of many waters is what it was. It was people praying in the Spirit so loud that it sounded like a waterfall. That's what I walked into. And I thought, what? I mean, I I went from super conservative church to I walked into that place and heard this, this waterfall. And I thought, what is this? And then I thought, what a bunch of, and I thought, what is that? Oh, what a bunch of, whoa, 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 what a, this is weird, Jesus, oh, God. Oh, I just started crying. I got totally overwhelmed by the power of God. Can I tell you something? That's what happens to people when there's a genuine hunger. Now, I'll tell you right now, I think we're about a Baptocostal range. But I think we're going to get on fire. Somebody say amen. I'm not knocking, you know, the Baptist church. God bless them. I'm just saying that there's more in God. And sometimes sometimes we become religious and just come and expect God to show up. And when He does, get a couple goosebumps and go home and say, Hallelujah. There's more. But it doesn't come without, it doesn't come without sacrifice. Oh, i got to close i got to close. Don't raise an Abinadab. Don't become an Abinadab. Don't raise, don't raise a, pardon me, don't raise an Uzziah. Uzziah was Abinadab's son. Don't raise one. Kids, all you kids look at, all you kids look at pastor. You looking at me? You looking at me? What we're doing is not some joke. This is for real. And if you, and if you don't learn to worship God and you just think it's a joke, then your life will be terrible. Jesus wants you to have a good life. So you need to learn to reverence Him. And that's why as parents, I might add, if you don't teach your kids to obey, you are modeling God. And if you don't teach your kids to obey and train them, then as you model God, they think they can do that mess with Him. I am preaching good in this place. Don't take, don't expect just because you say, I love Jesus, to Him show up and, and hook you up with the big victory shouting warfare. It's more than just bringing the, the name of Jesus into war with you. It's living for Him. The anointing comes out of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It does not come any other way. The power of God, the unction of God comes out of a relationship with Him. He's not an it, He's not a dove. He's the third part of the Trinity. And we need to learn to walk with Him. Jealously guarding His presence in our lives. Did you get something from God? Come on, we're going to pursue His presence. Come on, stand up. Come on, go after God. Lord, thank You. Thank You, Jesus. Let's become worshipers. You know, that last part, we didn't read it, but David came into Jerusalem. Worship, it says he worshipped with all his might. 
all his might? All his might. The psalmist said, praise the Lord. With all that is within me, I will praise him. What is that? Would you, would you come on up? Worship team, come on up. We're just going to sing one song and we'll close. But I want you to take this message seriously. Restore God to the first place. Restore the first commandment to first in your life. Begin to reverence His presence. If you'll invite Him, you know, Benny Hinn wrote a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. He learned to wake up and say, the first thing he'd say is, Good morning, Holy Spirit. He began to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit. If your walk is dry, that's what you're missing. I'm telling you right now. Oh, you need to have the Word. Got to have the Word. Got to have the Spirit. If you just have the Spirit, you'll blow up. If you just have the Word, you'll dry up. You need both to grow up. You need both the power of the Spirit and the Word of God together. Come on, let's just begin to worship. Come on, Barry. Come on.